This is Faith Fulcrum, a podcast for anyone trying to balance faith and tradition with contemporary challenges. I'm Mark Baldrige. I'm Scott Simpson. And our conversation grows from a lifetime friendship born within a Bible-centered community of believers. We don't always agree. So you don't have to either. Weigh what we have to say in the scales of your own faith and see. This week's episode is environmental. No, you don't wake up with six feet of dirt in your face. That doesn't happen. That's not real. You're dead now. Be born from the dead now. Be raised from the dead. I'm raising the dead, and the dead are you. And that would teach us, and then we wouldn't be so... We wouldn't believe that the world is somehow disposable because of heaven. Right, right. Well, see, there's two of those things. I die, and then I wake up in heaven. There could be the reborn that I I perceive you talking about, which is some fundamental change occurs to me, and I'm seeing and living in a new way. I don't think it's different from the be born again. Be born again and be raised from the dead are the same message. Right. They're just a different language. But one of them we have chosen to interpret literally because we're missing a Nicodemus story or a beautiful Peter story where he could stand in for us. And Jesus could explain that his, like his empire, his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. His resurrection is a spiritual resurrection. His rebirth is a spiritual rebirth. And we are in need of all those things as we live now. Right. As we uh, live that, now. Right. He's not here for... The afterlife. He's not here to talk about that. I don't think so. No. And that's the problem that we have, because quite often when you use the word spiritual, some folks immediately go to the afterlife. Um, there's the physical, which yes. is where we live now, and then there's the spiritual, which is where I'll be once I die, uh, floating on the clouds. And that's... Well, let's look at Jesus. Yeah, let's look at his description of Judgment Day. It is all entirely about what you're doing now yeah. in your life now. Right. You didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't clothe me when I was naked. You didn't visit me when I was sick and in prison. And then that's it. Enter into the kingdom. And that's the end. Yeah. Now, maybe heaven is a great adventure that, you know, uh, kind of Harry Potter style. But maybe he's still trying to put the emphasis on what you're doing now. Right. He tells it that way because he wants you to, to be born now. He wants you to be reborn now. And I suppose if we could, if we go back to Revelation and the, and the next to the last uh, chapter, whereas there's this literalistic uh, view of... Uh, God renewing the entire earth and a new and a yes. literally a new uh, new Jerusalem coming down to right, the earth. Yeah. There is also the um, the figurative way of, of reading that the new Jerusalem coming down. It could is very similar to this being born again. I mean, if there is a, a holy city, a place where all things are right and people are doing things well, um, and there is this. All things made new, um, yeah. and and a new Jerusalem and a new earth. It's 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 a it's a figurative way of talking about being born again. But except it's the planet yes. and it's the holy city, which represents, I think, probably the group of people who get it. You know, and and in bringing this into the environmentalism episode that we're you know, maybe doing. I think <laughs> I think all of it does have to do with this relationship to this planet. If I am thinking of an otherworldly, a gone bye-bye kind of place, then yeah, I don't really care about this place. And I sense that I my stewardship for it or my sense of I have any kind of responsibility of making sure it, it goes well here for me and for anybody else is kind of beside the point. Whereas in Genesis 1 and 2, it seems like that's the first thing that is most... I mean, oh, okay. here, here's all the animals. 
give right, them, we give them names. Yep, sure, that sounds great. Why don't you read uh, Genesis 2, 5 through 9? Uh, yeah, my pleasure. Um, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth, and watered the whole face of the ground, and the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil." So how's that for cold reading? That's very nice, very nice. <laughs> I have read it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a few times. I'm familiar so, with yeah, the, I'm familiar I, I mean, with I the get passage, this distinct yeah. uh, sense that man is not this big separate thing from uh, from the rest of the things that are being created. God's shaping and forming all of these things and goes to the trouble of of, of making all these trees and and a garden and and sh- forming the man. And then just a little bit later in Genesis, I'm going to skip down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And then the Lord commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you'll certainly die. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature... That was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and the wild animals. So there's this whole thing before he ever gets around to taking a rib and, and making woman. Uh, yeah. Uh, where he just, he introduces him to all the everything, you know, and says, get and name it. This is all uh, yours and you're responsible for it. Yeah. And, and it seems to me, when I think about my growing up time, there was... Uh, an appreciation. I wouldn't. I, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a, an appreciation for beauty in the world. Sure. But a real serious uh, doubt when people suggested that one that humans could do any real harm to the planet in any way, or that we should be, you know, getting kind of out of sorts about parts of the earth that were getting messed up because, you know, hey, it's here for us to use and we should be able to use it however we want. And it didn't seem to. Uh, it didn't sit well with me then. It still doesn't sit well with me. And it doesn't seem to fit the relationship that seems to be expressed here in, in, in Genesis 2. Well, that is before the fall. And, and Adam is a kind of caretaker in a garden. And I do think that people feel like they don't no longer have that responsibility and that power, that that's not the what, what God is asking us to do anymore. I think they would agree that God hasn't changed. Well, and uh, that still wants these things to be uh, cared for. But it's hard. I don't know. It's hard for me to fathom what people will consider God might be up to. Well, I think, I mean, if my theology tells me that nothing much matters other than getting people to be able to go to heaven rather than hell when they die, see, yes, everything right. else is very secondary. And I think there's a, also an element of privilege there because I think a lot of American Christians are not having to... Uh, to face some of the real uh, real climate crisis that's happening. I mean, I think we see it. We get frustrated with, you know, tornadoes that happen in weird places at the wrong time of the year and, and things like that. But um, yeah. we're not, we don't have lives 
at the rate that, that a place like India or Indonesia um, or other parts of the world have threatened by, uh, by climate change. Jesus, he talks about heaven and he talks about, but he, a lot of times he talks about it as the right. kingdom of heaven. And he says things like, it is right. among right. you. It's, it's here among you. And I like a reading that I've seen that says yeah. between yeah. you. The kingdom of heaven is between you. It connects you. And he doesn't seem to be talking there about some kind of eternal life. He talks about eternal life a lot, but he makes it sound a lot like this is our right. eternity. Well, and it... How are you enjoying it so far? <laughs> yeah, I think that it's, it's obvious that that's part of the reason why it matters that we care about the things that sustain us, the, the things that sustain me, uh, that sustain uh, my neighbor. I get the impression that it's not simply... Yeah. because this is our fishbowl, we better take care of it, other people are going to die if we don't. I think there is a, a narrative about a respect of the things that have been created. I'm going to read one more verse out of Leviticus, um, and, and it has to do with, you know, after all that creating, uh, God decided to rest and establish uh, Sabbath, which was also connected with things like, you know, after a certain number of Sabbaths, you would free your slaves or uh, forgive debts and things like that. But this is Leviticus 25, 1 through 7. The Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards and gather the crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, your male and female servants, and the hired worker and temporary resident who lives among you, as well as for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces may be eaten. And it's cast in this, the land should have the same kind of rest that you have. For us looking at it from this vantage yes. point, it makes good agricultural sense to not wear out the uh, the ground there's a sense that one might have uh really religious or not that it's presuming a lot to say uh, we're going to try mm. to manage the environment the, the environment is i mean people who sense that it's much much larger than us are correct and much more complex and uh hard to know but it does seem like we must or poison it uh that we must either manage it or poison it and we've poisoned it now for some time, and uh, we are reaping what we've sown in climate change. I'm not going to try to deny uh, that the science is compelling, that we are changing our own climate for the warmer and more energetic, and that is, will have consequences. It's, we're we're yeah. steer, trying to steer a big boat, the human boat, and that takes a long time to turn. Maybe we didn't start soon enough, but I... I believe that with God's help, if that's necessary, we can uh, we can survive uh, and you know thrive through the, the changes I, I that are coming. I surely think that's possible. Them. I think so, I think it's 
I, I'm I'm absolutely certain. I hope that so. The uh, planet will come, will get itself back into balance. Uh, the question that is is, will, will we be a part of that balance? Because <laughs> you know we're, we're we're just a little yes. a little piece in it, and um, and it's nice. It's really nice at this yes. point that. Uh, that everything is working together to give us a, a habitat that we can live in. But that's uh, not a guarantee. It's hard for people, and it may be hard for Christians, to picture a time after human beings, because this world was made for us. But I was, as a child, just shocked to learn that epochs mm-hmm. passed before the rise of humanity, and that before that, mammals, uh, mm-hmm. a, a world of monsters existed. Uh, with mm-hmm. no trees but ferns, giant ferns and huge fungal toadstools or, or mushrooms, gigantic mushrooms and uh, big yeah. lizards that ate each other and tore each other up and uh, others that just lolled about in the shallows and yeah. uh, ate yeah. vegetables. Weird. I found it very weird to think of a time before human beings. I, I, some part of me rebelled. Mm-hmm. What was all that time for? But I also remember as a child uh, realizing that rain falls and snow falls on the ocean. And I said in my mind, well, I thought rain was for make flowers and plants grow. I realized that rain isn't for anything. Rain is something that happens because of the way our world is. And other things have learned to take advantage of it, not learned in their minds, but their biology has learned. I believe that this is fact that we that our species has evolved yeah. from well that's what is it yeah that's that's an episode we could we could have at some point we haven't uh, yeah that's yeah, maybe I we should I'm, hold off on that exactly. that would be that would be a fun cut, fun we'll cut that part if you want more content like this we're building a website at faithfulcrum.com or you want to get in touch email us at faithfulcrum at gmail.com so scott you have a new hymn for us then yeah yeah i got something i've been playing around with it's called i'm going mental Just a kid, we didn't worry much about the ocean. I grew up in a big, wide Midwest heartland. We had no notion. In Nebraska, we'd take whatever heat we could get. Anything to speed the shrinking of those four-foot drifts. Yeah, mid-February, dreams of the sweet smell of suntan lotion. Well, the sermons we heard spoke often of the coming fire. God's will to burn it all up would inevitably transpire. Our home was not in this sphere, green and blue. No, we're just here en route. We're just a passing through. Yeah, to hold on too tight would surely spark a fierce divine ire. I'm not sentimental now, but I'm going mental. And how? I'll try to put it gentle as I can. I'm going mental as a man who just a one-week rental I'm going mental I'm going environmental Well, in Genesis I remember God said It's good (laughs) Good for living Good for loving Yeah, good for food Now our gases are burning And our toxins Yeah, they've trampled the garden Like 10,000 oxen Now it's immoral Self-destructive and just plain rude 
gentle as I can I'm going mental As a man whose home is being trashed Like it's just a one week rental I'm going mental I'm going environmental Well since when did scientific research Become satanic Global warming and drought No big deal But drag queens and you're frantic Love your neighbor as you love yourself You know that means we must work together Leverage policy, leverage our wealth Make a plan, not a conspiracy-fueled panic I'm not sentimental now, but I'm going mental And how? I'll try to put it gentle as I can I'm going mental as a man whose home is being trashed Like it's just a one-week rental I'm going mental, I'm going environmental I'm not sentimental now, but I'm going mental And how? I'll try to put it gentle as I can I'm going mental as a man whose home is being trashed Like it's just a one-week rental I'm going mental, I'm going environmental I'm going mental, environmental